1: And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live. You're home for serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. We were just talking off air a little bit. I am headed to the championship city of Cleveland next month, which uh, we can thank the Cleveland Cavaliers for breaking the streak, a more than 50 year streak for the city of Cleveland to actually win a sports championship. Back in 1964, the Cleveland Browns won the NFL championship. It wasn't the Super Bowl back then. It was just the NFL championship. And 52 years later, King James goes back to Cleveland. And uh, I will be going to Cleveland for the first time next month for the Republican convention and was just talking a little bit about the uh, the flight plan. And I had originally booked the flight on uh, Spirit Airlines. And thankfully to my... Uh, um, to the delight, uh, my Facebook uh, friend audience commented very quickly and abruptly and told me never to take Spirit Airlines because they are a, it's a horrible experience. And when I Googled them, I don't just trust the mob on Facebook, so I Googled and researched and did my own independent fact checking and there was more than 1300 complaints about spirit just in the past few months and the biggest complaint for me i mean i i can pretty much deal with anything for 2 hours david i mean even being squashed in like a sardine but it, the the fact that they just you haphazardly cancel flights that is unforgivable to me um you know we have deadlines to be there at certain times and they had a flight leaving saturday morning and uh by the time I, you know, did a little bit of the math and checked it out, the Delta flight was 360 bucks. Delta, the joke is the acronym is don't ever leave town again, but in reality, Delta is a pretty solid carrier, and I should have a little hometown allegiance being here in Atlanta, the home of Delta. But uh, I was looking at saving a buck as the fiscal conservative I am. But once all the the little fees and add-ons, I mean, if you look at a stewardess on Spirit, they charge you $5, even if she's old and unattractive. So uh, I've never flown Spirit. I have no idea the caliber of their uh, flight attendants. Or no much, nobody, else has ever flown. <laughs> nobody else has ever lived to tell, right? So you were telling me your horrific experience. The fact that they just cancel flights, like, uh, the, I, I don't get that. I mean, if you have a business... Uh, deal that you've got to get to, or a vacation, or a funeral, or, or anything, you cannot take Spirit Airlines. I mean, they will just cancel a flight on you left and right. My friend Erica just flew up there for uh, Game Six, and she said, "Oh yeah, if you have to, if you, unless you have a two or three day window of traveling, you know, you can't take Spirit." And that, to me. Is that worth saving a hundred dollars, and then, by the time you check on anything, which is a carry on they charge forty or fifty bucks if you get to the gate and they say, "Oh, nope, that's too big. You need to check that back. That can add on a hundred dollars by the time you're done, you're probably not saving anything um so Anyway, that's my little rant about Spirit. Uh, thankfully, I was able to cancel that transaction from Kayak.com, which uh, apparently they have a 24-hour window. So I was able to knock that out. That saved me uh, a lot of heartache, I can predict, in about a month. And it probably wouldn't have saved me very much money at all. So let's start talking about the real issues that we're going to focus on today. I've got a pretty cool thing uh, lined up for next week's show. We've got uh, Tom Dietz from Sharpshooters, a uh, shooting range up in uh, North Fulton. He's going to be coming in to talk about some of this, you know, this uh, Second Amendment fury that we are seeing in the wake of the Orlando shooting. I, I... I <sighs> I guess I shouldn't be stunned, but the fact that the left is now trying to pin this on Republicans is, is just, it's jaw dropping to me that, uh, that, that it's possible for this PR spin to be active. I was, uh, I gotta say, yesterday I was pretty impressed that uh, the U.S. Senate rejected the Democrat ploy of using the actions of a jihadist shooter as a mechanism to chip away at our Bill of Rights. David, I don't think that the crimes of radical Islam should ever be used as an excuse to legislate away our liberty. But here at the same time, we have Republicans that are wanting to increase spying in the police state. I wish Republicans cared as much about the Fourth Amendment as they do about the Second Amendment. So, we, uh, every time a terrorist attack happens, you know how the terrorists really win? Is when we legislate our way, our liberties away, uh, months, days or months later. Don't you agree?
2: Oh yeah, and we we've done a uh, good job of it. I, I'm I've been following uh, some of the like Minnesota, uh, following some of the states that are giving in to Sharia law, which I I just find deplorable.
1: Yeah, it's uh, appalling. There's one there's one city that uh, apparently now has. Uh, the city council and the mayor is—they're uh, all Muslims—and so they have the call to prayer. I, it was a fascinating show I saw yesterday, and they have Christians and Catholics and Muslims all living in some kind of awkward harmony right now. Uh, I'm—I'm not—I'm also not a fan of just carte blanche saying no more Muslim immigration either. But uh, we—I think that we need to realize that every time. A an incident happens, or a, or a murder happens, or a massacre happens, as in the case in Orlando. That doesn't mean we need to go and start signing away our rights. In fact, I mean that that compounds the problem, in my opinion, doesn't it, Dave?
2: Yeah, um, but I I, I uh, would argue with you until we got a immigration. Uh, set up that's much better than what we have now. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with stopping Muslims from coming in until we we are sure that we are vetting them to the nth degree and that also includes the ones that come in illegally across our our borders,
1: the southern and, uh, and no- northern border, oh, yeah. but mo- mostly mostly the southern. We we So, all
2: know that. <laughs> you know, and I I think I think we have to start calling it like it is. Uh, Muslims are out to kill us. Muslims are, you know, it's in their Quran, it's in their mosque, it's in, you know, I, I've been told by, and I've mentioned this to you, I think, before, these mosques are armories. They're not just a place. "Quote end quote, to worship." Oh yeah, did you but see? The, did you see the
1: rated the raids in France? Well, uh, there was they've been three. raided here. Yeah, but the, I mean, the, the most raided of France is uh, <laughs> uh, a, a no gun zone. The whole country, except yeah. for the mosques, apparently. But, uh, yeah, so that's the thing. We need to be smarter about this. The biggest problem I see is, you know, we, what we've done with Central and South America is a, allow a brain drain to happen where the best and the brightest from those countries have left. Right. And so now they they're left to their own whims and it's nothing but a a hotbed of corruption and murder in Central America. And then South America, you've got Venezuela, where you finally find out what happens when you run out of other people's toilet paper. Remember, Margaret Thatcher said eventually you run out of other people's money. Well, they've run out of damn toilet paper in Venezuela. Uh, I go to Ecuador pretty frequently, and Ecuador is like a—it's like the Ritz Carlton compared to some of the neighboring uh, countries down there. Chile, Venezuela.
2: Money out the gazoo. Uh,
1: well, they should. I mean, now that oil is back up to $50 a barrel, I, I, I hope. I mean, it, it, I've joked about Venezuela, but at this, at this point, it, it's actually a humanitarian plight, uh, in my opinion, with a, the destruction that socialism and dictatorships have done to the people down there. The people in Venezuela are good people. Uh, most of them that have had the means have fled to Miami. And a lot of people in Ecuador have actually gone to Miami. In fact, my wife's city is called Guayaquil, and they now call it Miami, wyami mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a little bit of a, a, a joke. But, uh, you know, the, if we don't have these countries actually rebuild themselves, then the problem is going to be cyclical, right? I mean, they, they will never get better. So instead of encouraging uh, just waves and waves of immigrants to, to come over here, well, we need to encourage them to rebuild their own countries. And if that involves uh, using the, the IMF and, and engaging in microloans or setting up no-fly zones, uh, security zones over there, I think that's a much better uh, end result that they're actually rebuilding their own countries. They have to start taking responsibility to improve their own countries. And until we have an immigration policy that actually recognizes the fact that bringing in – Hundred thousand unvetted people from anywhere, much less Islamic nations, is a threat. It's a clear and present danger to the United States. Let me, let me ask
2: you: What do you think about uh, the deal today of uh, the Iranian doors being open to Boeing and Boeing selling them planes?
1: <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. Or the Iran. Uh, we've seen. I you know I haven't. I, I hadn't seen. Why don't that we yet. just I... equip them with? Uh, well, bonds, let's just, let's you know? just give them drones. You know, Let, let's give them drones uh, like that are we, yeah, like the they, the B two class drones that maybe aren't quite as capable as our A plus drones. But let's just give them drones. I mean, that'll stoke our military industrial complex. That'll stimulate the economies of, of some big wigs over at Boeing and other defense contractors. Now, wouldn't it? You know, uh, David, we're also we're going to talk about Donald Trump uh, a little bit later. You know, uh, for the year that I've been doing this show, and that he's been a candidate, I didn't think it would it would come to the him being the Republican nominee. But I, I think we've got some serious problems now. His financial disclosure just came out, and it is uh, I, I need to look at it more forensically. But I mean, he's he's pay- paying himself. It looks like he's drawing a salary, um, which I think is kind of unheard of. And he only has one point three million dollars on hand. Hillary Clinton has twenty seven million. Forty two. Hey, Forty two now. Okay. Well, that's. I think she. Then she's also reserved. Oh, she's reserved twenty seven million in TV ads for the next summer. This is. Uh, this is not looking good for the home team here. Uh, I, I don't know what uh, what the solution is. I don't know if there's a Plan B that can be looked at in Cleveland. Uh, if the Trump campaign continues to circle the drain. You know, we, we may see it. I think we're going to see a lot of elected officials start backing away from this. You know, you've already got Mark Kirk in Illinois. I think he's done. I mean, sorry, Senator Kirk. You, you're not going to win in a presidential year in the state of Illinois. So you can try to back away from all of the Republican uh, platform issues that you want, but it ain't going to work out for you. I don't think we should waste too much money on that sense seat. But we, we do have to start being concerned. We've got a lot of major Fortune 500 companies that don't want to have anything to do with the convention. UPS just said for the first time they're not going to be dealing with the Republican convention this year. Now, they also said this is not a political decision. We've decided not to participate in the Democrat convention. But uh, there's a bunch of major companies that are refusing to sponsor the Republican convention this year. And you could say, ah, who cares? We're not going to have our, our party principles dictated by corporations. But these corporations actually have a huge impact on public opinion. They have huge social media followings. They have huge loyal, uh, a huge base of loyal customers. And if Apple says, hey, we don't like this, that's going to give a negative connotation and a negative perception to the Republican Party. And uh, we already have one. Uh, for many groups in this country, but when you when you lose the masses, the pop culture masses that are somewhat herded around by these uh, big time corporations that have trendy products, it can be a generational pain, not just one election. So that's my concern: is that uh, you know people are, are so. Uh, polarized so by who are Trump. you voting for? Uh, you know, I, I, at the convention, I am bound to Marco Rubio actually on the first ballot. So, um, you know, if if none of the rules are changed, uh, then Donald Trump has more than fifteen hundred bound delegates, I believe. So he's he's cleared the twelve thirty seven hurdle. So. Uh, Unless the rules are changed, which everybody's saying that they can't be changed. but We all know that rules are meant to be changed, and there is a movement afoot from what I've heard of. But for right now, I'm voting for Marco Rubio. Isn't that the political answer? (laughs) We'll be back with Lee Weber, a uh, political commentator, friend of mine, that uh, does a lot of great work here in Georgia and around the southeast. You're listening to Greg's List. See you in a minute.
4: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology.
5: liberty health share puts you back in charge of your health visit them online at libertyoncall.org again for a true affordable alternative to obamacare visit libertyoncall.org or call toll free 1-800-714-6993 today
0: you're listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web com. We're coming at you live as. Uh always unless you're listening to this after 3 p.m. in this case it would be uh, in that case it would be taped or recorded for your listening pleasure join us right now a friend of mine a political commentator and uh uh, budding radio personality himself lee weber first time on greg's list but i know you've listened in before uh lee welcome to the show and uh, how's everything going for you man
6: thanks greg doing well how about yourself
1: and you know, I uh, I'm I'm not doing as good as a Cleveland fan, but I'm doing pretty damn good. I uh, uh, I like to look at uh, correlations between things, or just history. You're a fan of history, I know. And but the last time Cleveland won a championship was 1964, and Republicans had a fellow by the name of Barry Goldwater running at the top of their ticket, and. Uh, this year obviously we have uh, another championship 52 years later and a guy named Donald Trump who's running who's been unfavorably compared to Barry Goldwater somewhat so I'm wondering if cleveland championships are harbingers for republicans putting up uh questionable candidates i don't know but uh, i've enjoyed reading your uh your analysis on uh, social media about things so uh what's your perception of uh how the political race is going i personally when it comes to hillary clinton I, i i would rather lick the uh floor of a urinal at newark airport than vote for her but uh you know, right, not right. A- <laughs>
6: well, the, the, the Trump thing, the Trump thing, is interesting, um, and and it's while well, it's not like uh, the Goldwater movement, which was basically an ideological takeover of the party, I would argue this is more of a populist takeover of the party. Uh-huh. But there's some interesting parallels. There's a there's a great trilogy written by a name Rick Perlstein, which came out has come out over the last couple of years, and I read all three books this past summer. And it, basically, it follows the rise of Goldwater and then Nixon, and then the third book is about the rise of Reagan. It kind of begins, uh, you know, Reagan came on the scene, first became famous, making a national address on Goldwater's behalf about six weeks before the election. And that's really what launched Reagan's political career. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he served two terms as governor. But one of the parallels that that folks ignore, um, and I am not by any stretch of the imagination arguing that Donald Trump is Ronald Reagan, Uh, But I had an interesting conversation with some very left-wing friends of mine, all of whom are politically active, a couple of days ago. And what we were talking about, some of them are old enough, quite frankly, to remember and lived in California when Reagan was governor. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people have forgotten about Ronald Reagan is, and I think he was a great president, is that he said some absolutely outrageous things when he was running for governor, when he was governor, and even into his presidential campaigns in 76 In 1980, Um, When Reagan was running for California governor, the first of the major college protests were taking place at the University of California, Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And Reagan actually said he would shoot down the students in the street. So this entire explosion over Trump's rhetoric, not his actions or his Mm -hmm. proposals, which we're kind of waiting on some policy proposals, and it appears that now that uh, he's got Manafort back in charge, we're going to see some of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some of Trump's rhetoric is reminiscent of some of the outrageous things that reagan said in the past so a lot of the overreaction that comes from the media Mm -hmm. or from some voters or from some right-wing talk show hosts, i think is a little overblown and a little premature
1: well and i do think some of this the the hashtag never trump is a little self-indulgent as well we're seeing uh you know, this kind of blowback effect where you've got kind of a self-righteous wing of, of the Republican Party that thinks they can get preachy, and uh, me and you have both uh, shared frustrations with uh, Republican Party uh, policies that don't actually live up to the platform,
6: right? Right, right, exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. There's, there's a great article in The Atlantic uh, that just came out today, and, and what it, it talks about, what it says is, Uh, Trump is not the cause of the chaos of the current political system. The chaos in the political system is what brought the rise of Trump. And you've got an awful lot of voters, uh, in particular Republican voters, who we gave the party what it wanted in the terms of majorities in the House and Senate. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is not even minor action. I mean, I, I think the whole thing about repealing Obamacare is completely silly. That was never going to happen. Anything the president... Can veto and you can't override. It's pretty pointless to pursue that course.
1: <laughs> but what but, if, you know, but what some, if I'm running on that, <laughs> Lee? What if, what if I'm running for Congress and I guarantee you in my fundraising emails that I will repeal Obamacare?
6: Then I'm not going to take you seriously because anyone that can do math knows that unless you have <laughs> two thirds of the House and two thirds of the Senate, you're not going to be able to over to, to repeal Obamacare. Mm. But the Republican majority could have done some very simple things that would have made sense to Republican voters and would have kept them from being quite as angry as they are. A good example is Mia Love, who is a congressman from, from Utah. Utah, who yeah. actually I've met on a couple of occasions. Mm-hmm. And she is now one of the you know, driving forces behind this idea that bills should be on a single subject and should be easy enough to read and easy enough to pass, that when they got to the president's desk, if he vetoed them, it's not not all about scoring political points, mm-hmm. but it would have been useful to watch the Republicans over the last six years to pass some single-issue bills on subjects that had broad support among the American populace mm-hmm. or even just among Republican voters and forced uh, the president to veto them. And quite simply, they've just pretty much played the same game uh, with a, obviously different ideological leanings, but they've right. played pretty much the same game uh, that the Democrats played when they were running Congress. And that, and that's why Republican voters are
1: active. Yeah, um, and, and and I mean, you know, know. Str- I agree strategically. Uh, this was not the House and Senate that we had in the late 90s that, uh, you know, had Bill Clinton signing welfare reform and the balanced right. budget, and we actually impeached him. I mean, <laughs> the, str- the strategic... Uh, uh, I guess, stra- or the strategic skills uh, diminished significantly over twenty years. And uh, what do we, what do we blame that on? Do we blame that on a politically correct uh, culture, or the fact that we're more polarized now uh, due to gerrymandered uh, congressional districts? I mean, what do you? So, I mean, interpret- I think
6: both of those are, are problems. <laughs> but I think the reason the Republicans haven't done what they did in the nineties, uh, part part of this is quite simply because. Clinton was someone who wanted to get something done and had experience negotiating, having been a governor, and was willing to negotiate with Congress and get some things accomplished. I mean, Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan were not exactly, you know, ideological allies. Right. But they got a lot of stuff done. And Clinton and Gingrich got a lot of stuff done. Now, Obama is not the type of guy uh, that in, that you know, engages in that type of uh, back and forth and is, and is willing to compromise. But, but more importantly to your question about the difference between the 90s Congress and this Congress is you really have far too many Republicans that are up on the Hill, that, and gerrymandering is part of it, being in safe districts. But in large part, it's just because there's so much money available to Republicans uh, in Congress, and particularly when they get out. Uh, there's a great book called This Town that Mark Leibowitz, who writes for the uh, New, York, uh, New York Times magazine, mm-hmm. yep. wrote, came out about two years ago. And now when congressmen leave, they don't go home and run for governor. They don't go home and go back into their old business. They go straight down to K Street and very (laughs) quickly are making Eric Cantor, who wanted to stay in Congress, is now making about one point five million dollars a year as a lobbyist. Right. So when you go to Congress, there's really no reason to do much other than hold your place until you can get the case Street to cash in. And, And that's that's a major problem
1: well yeah and uh, unfortunately I uh, I share your your pessimistic view of that uh, we uh, see that you know locally as well where uh, under our own gold dome people we, we have this uh, this rise of cronyism I don't call it crony capitalism because it's not capitalism it's just cronyism where you get uh, special interests that donate funds to certain politicians and they can either you know hold laws up or pass laws or add amendments or addendums to them that make them, uh, you know, un, un, um, un, unpalatable for the for, for the rest of us. And then on a federal right. level, i got to say, the Obama's first two years, you know, him getting Dodd-Frank and uh, the Unaffordable Care Act through was a, uh, a Herculean effort, and we are still suffering uh, from both of those bills uh, greatly, uh, and, and it's going to be hard to unwind either of them.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that Dodd-Frank... Certainly need some significant tweaking, um, and they should get the banks out of the gambling business. They should get the, uh, you know, they should <laughs> should uh, bring back Glass-Steagall and separate banking from uh, the investing slash gambling side of the business. That would, be, that would go a long way on the banking deal. But it's funny you mentioned Georgia. In Georgia, the problem uh, partially is uh, I, the special interest money. There's not as much money in Georgia as one would expect. The the bigger problem is that under the current administration, we've had a governor who has repeatedly Rewarded sitting uh, representatives and senators with either judgeships, positions on state commissions, or jobs in state government, and it's truly been unbelievable to watch. I won't mention any names, but some of these are people that I know personally
0: mm-hmm. who were
6: serving in the House and then and, and would not have gone completely down the road of whatever the governor says I'm going to do. You, most of them were pretty good servants of their constituents. Mm -hmm. But as soon as the governor got in their ear and said, you know, if you work with me on that, if you become a floor leader, we got this sweet gig on State Commission A, or you're an attorney, how would you like to be a judge, or, gee, we need somebody. I know you don't know anything about health and human services, and I'm just using this as an example, um, about Department X. I know you don't know anything about it, but the job pays about $140,000 a year. And if you go my way, I can see you getting, and they're going straight from the house into these jobs. Mm. And that just absolutely is the antithesis of the way the system is supposed to work.
1: Yeah, these uh, the the beauty of our, our citizen legislators is supposed to be that it's part time. You know, we have the forty days of session, and then hopefully, in theory, they go back uh, a, a, and to their regular jobs and, and understand the same burdens that we're under. Which I, I think that our state is run far better than the federal government. I mean, that the federal government is a it's a it's a mess. And uh, the the positives that I see from the federal government is. A do nothing Congress is actually a good thing for me because we need them to be doing right. a lot. Yeah, you know,
6: I mean, the, the state is not poorly run, uh, but for those who pay close attention, um, for those who pay close attention and are not hardcore party loyalists or hardcore, hardcore loyalists to a particular individual in Georgia politics, look at it and just cannot believe all of these shady dealings that have gone on and passing out these jobs to sitting representatives and senators, and, and then you've got the folks that don't pay attention. And, and, and folks in politics are always saying, we want more people involved. We want more people yep. Well, half many of the people I know, they start to pay attention, and they pay attention yep. for three or four or five or six months, and they see yep. the way the system works, and they say, I ain't got time for this.
1: Yeah, I've actually been I, at uh, I've actually been at one of your. We got to wrap up here, but I've been at one of your happy hours, the monthly happy hour events you've sponsored. Sure. Talked to a couple of folks and said, "Do you know who your uh, senator is your state senator?" And the response is, "Yeah, I think it's Isaacson." So, I know exactly <laughs> right, right. what you feel, Lee Weber. I appreciate you calling in today. I told you this fifteen minute segment would go by quick. We got to take our two thirty break, but uh, I can't wait to uh, reach out to you again and I'll be at your uh, your next event. Thanks for calling in today. We'll talk. To you soon.
6: Thanks very much, Greg.
1: And we'll see you in a couple minutes. Christy Riggins, the Politics.com, joining us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Greg's List.
7: The disease of addiction is a life altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics,
4: it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on Webradio.com.
3: Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequal service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your
0: need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. Only on America's Web. Radio.com. Just had a great chat with our friend, uh, political commentator, Lee Weber, and uh, he hosts a, a monthly happy hour at uh, New York Prime. It's always the first Friday, so come out and hang out with us sometime. Next one, I guess, will be uh, July 5th. First. Is that right? I don't know. But uh, anyway, ZPolitics.com editor Christy Riggins is with us now. We uh, tried to get you on a couple weeks ago, but it uh, turns out the news is a, a a pretty busy industry to be in. But uh, Christy, welcome back to Greg's How are you doing today?
8: Hey, Greg. I'm a great. How are you
1: doing? Oh, I am doing good. Great to hear your voice on the other end. I, uh, I know you've been here to co-host some shows with me previously, and uh, we've seen some interesting developments come up. I... Um, you know, I'm not a forensic accountant, and I don't know if you got a chance to look at that article that I sent you over about the uh, the financial disclosures that uh, Mr. Trump just posted. But uh, I got to say, I am I am extremely concerned about them. Uh, did you get a chance to kind of glean over that?
8: Oh yeah, and it has completely enveloped the news. I mean, I I feel like <laughs> that is the the number one thing that everyone is talking about aside from the cheap manufacturing issues that resulted in the death of a star Wars actor. Um, st- that it, it, mean, starts, start, uh, Chris, just- Chris,
1: Christy, you just, you just lost some street cred with the sci-fi. It's, it's start, <laughs> it's Star Trek. It was Star Trek.
8: It's Star Trek oh,
1: okay i'm going to hear about that antonin An- antonin yelkin yeah that was uh you know when tmz is bra- i i i guess some of these headlines you just don't know whether to believe them or not they're just so out you know just out of this uh out of this world type things And that's no pun intended to our Star Wars Star Trek theme, but uh, yeah, that was uh, Shocking that he, you know that, that incident, that's more of our pop culture thing We can get back to that, but so you're saying that you're You're now flooded with this uh, Donald Trump disclosures that Because I, I found it on Market Watch today And I am just I, I'm absolutely floored At uh, at A, how Bad it is, and B, how much He's pa- paid himself I mean, that's
8: the, the depth of this story is, is just, it's, it's really almost too much. Like, we just don't have the time to really get into the meat of everything. It's insane. But just to put it in perspective, I know that you've you read about this, but you know, Donald Trump only raised $3.1 million in May. In comparison, Hillary Clinton raised $27 million um, on May 29th, just before you know, these reports got filed. Donald Trump tweeted that the good news is that more that I have more cash on hand than any other campaign in the history of politics, um, <laughs> and we're seeing now that that's just not the case. Um, his the money that he has on hand, one point three million dollars, oh, yeah. could not purchase a condo at Trump Towers, where the condo, <laughs> a one bedroom condo, goes for two point one million dollars. Oh. Um, so this campaign is in deep trouble.
1: I mean, so so I so me I, and I'm not trying to bash Trump here. It just is. I mean, I posted a, a joke earlier on faith. People are so damn thin-skinned these days. I uh, <laughs> said uh, he spent two hundred eight thousand dollars on hats, and the only time that number had been approached was two thousand eight. Ron Paul spent one hundred seventy-eight thousand on ten foil hats, and certainly, <laughs> you know, obviously <laughs> that that hurt some feelings out there. you know the little our our, our world of buttercups, as so, so I said, I was attacking. Trump, I was like, I, if anything, I've made fun of Ron Paul, but uh, you know, he spent two hundred eight thousand dollars on the MAGA hats. Make that's the acronym for Make America Great Again, and I, that that was actually uh, probably one of his better expenses going through this. And I guess my yep. problem, guys, I, a, a, and I think everybody knows, I, I've been called an establishment Republican before. I'm certainly going to walk the plank, uh, so to speak. I. Uh, I'm bound to Marco Rubio next month, but uh, who knows what happens, but I, I, you know, yes, I will walk the plank uh, for, for God, country, and party, so to speak, but uh, yeah, I've got some serious concerns with, uh, you know, just, I, I don't know if it's corruption or not, but isn't there a big problem with him paying himself?
8: Um. Well, you know, to, to put a little bit of light onto that, um, you know, my I guess that my home state is, is Alabama. Okay. I moved here from, from Alabama a few years okay. ago. The Speaker of the House in Alabama recently um, went through a trial where he was accused of funneling uh, the Republican Party's money into his own... Was that,
1: Hubbard, was that Hubbard or whatever, Mike Hubbard or yes. something? Okay. Yeah, yes. Was, okay. And,
8: um, and so that was a very, very serious charge that was filed against him. Okay. And, um, you know, so... So when I see that the Donald Trump is using his own campaign funds to pay himself, he spent um, over four hundred thousand dollars in May was used just to rent out his personal house for the campaign. Um, you know, I mean that if if it is not flat out illegal, which I, I haven't heard anyone say that it is, but if it's not, it certainly has a, a tone of being unethical.
1: Okay, I, I just you know. Uh At some point, people have got to look and say, even if you're the biggest Trump supporter out there, I I mean, you've got to admit that this this is a huge. A huge problem, to borrow a word from Mister Trump. But he can—I mean—he's going to be uh, just—it's almost like one distraction after another. He doesn't even get to talk about his strengths. I mean, uh, you know, every time he's interviewed now, it's well, why do you call the guy a Mexican when he's born in Indiana, or why do you—why did you pat yourself on the back after the Orlando? I mean, it's like every week is something new that takes us off topic, and that's the frustrating part to me.
8: Yeah. He, I mean, the, the biggest strength that he has going for him right now is his Twitter feed, <laughs> in, in all seriousness. I mean, every every single time he tweets something, the media <laughs> will report on it, and that is a great thing for him, because like you said, when he gets any FaceTime with the media, he's getting asked these questions. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he seems to do a great job of responding and and moving on to the next thing but you're right i mean these are things that he's not going to be able to shake down anytime soon
1: yeah and, and i mean i get it he, he you know he didn't have to pay for any uh tv ads during the campaign he uh fired his campaign manager uh lewandowski the other night and and i, I would i would say that that's a good thing i mean a campaign didn't seem to be running very well um you know when you know the the polls the national polls do they matter now yeah they do because what's going to happen in my opinion is is this campaign continues to uh to meander around a lot of sitting legislators and a lot of the uh kind of the, the establishment people in in states that are maybe a little hesitant but they're they're back in trump now david Perdue's come out <laughs> fully on board the trump train. They may start dialing back a little bit because they're they're going to look at this thing as being uh unwinnable and a potential drag now I, I hope this doesn't happen guys i i uh, I'm not, i've not been a Trump was certainly not my first choice, but uh, I will. Uh, as I would said before, there's a lot of things that I would do before voting for Hillary Clinton, and they're a lot worse than voting for Donald Trump. So uh, I don't have to vote for everything yeah. the guy says to vote for the better outcome of the next four years. Would you rather – if Trump wins the presidency, you can be assured that the Republicans will keep control of the House and the Senate, right? Do you think that makes sense?
8: Yeah, okay. and, and, you know, you're you're getting a lot of those calls of, of unity. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of that here in Georgia. Um, but some, you know, some tested party leaders, the, the folks who have traditionally been considered establishment, our own governor, Nathan Deal, um, you know, and others are, are coming out and saying we need to go ahead and, and get behind Trump, whether he was your first choice or not. But, right. you know, he's, he's not making that easy on us, uh, um, <laughs> you, you know between his comments and then just even the fact that, you know, the, it's not just him who's struggling to raise money. The RNC is struggling to raise money. Um, you know, you have companies like Delta and Coca-Cola and Home Depot and Apple who have all come out, you know, I mean, three of those, you know, being based here in Georgia, um, I mean, they've all come out and said that they're not going to provide money to the RNC like they have in the past. Yeah. Just because this candidate is
1: so controversial. Yeah. I mean, um, they, they basically – and, and is it unfair to tie people to a candidate every time they say something? Yeah, but does that matter in politics? No. Yeah. No.
8: And, and, and I mean, it's, and we've, we've kind of already seen as much. I mean, you know – Campaigns across the country now are are trying to tie you know every yeah. the Republican in with Donald Trump. Yeah, it's like um, you it's, know, you're seeing the Georgia Democrats do that. Oh, you know, yeah.
1: with with every tweet well with out. Isaacson. I mean, the good, the only good thing is the <laughs> Democrats have such a horrible Senate candidate that uh, you know Isaacson could walk lockstep with Trump and still win by twenty points. But uh, you if, are if probably the, right if the Democrats <laughs> had, had put up anybody that was you know. I think that that there's probably some Democrats right now, uh, a Kasim Reed, a Jason Carter, um, anybody with a you know a somewhat statewide presence, probably kicking themselves now, thinking that you know if I actually ran a viable campaign. Trump might take down the uh, top of the ticket a little bit. We'll, we'll see, guys. I mean, Trump has a point, and uh, I want to uh, make sure that people understand. He, also, he got 13 million popular votes in the Republican primaries. That was a record. Uh, but here's a little math for you. There's going to be probably 130 million votes cast uh, in the general election in November. So, so basically, he was supported by 10% of what's going to be the overall turnout In November, and that's what's got people scared.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, are you ready to pivot a little bit to some Georgia politics? I
1: certainly am. We're going to uh, come up to our uh, break here in a second. But, uh, yeah, I saw your uh, ZPolitics.com newsletter this morning. Very interesting uh, headline that, that um, about 80% of the uh, elected officials don't have uh, opponents in the general, which I thought was kind of yes. kind of interesting. What do you think about that?
8: There's a lot happening right now in politics that is so interesting. Um, you know, the the thing that's so that, that's so interesting about that article, and I think that anybody who's really been paying attention to this election cycle, that's probably not a surprise that 80%, 8 in 10, <laughs> of our elected officials are not going to see uh, an opponent from the opposite party. And the reason why is, is probably twofold. It has to do a lot with the kind of uh, district that you're in. You know, if the odds are already against you because the lines have been drawn um, with such sophistication that most of these <laughs> districts are, are just really already heavily labeled as, right. as a Democrat or Republican. You don't have many swing districts. Um, but then also the parties are putting a lot of energy and a lot of effort into trying to make sure that their candidates are quality candidates. Um, and so there's, you know, you, you have like, let's just use like Angela Penley down in Congressional District 3, um, you know the district that's currently held by Lynn Westmoreland. You have two competitors on the Republican side, Drew Ferguson and State Senator and Mike, Mike Crane, yeah. who are duking it out down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela Penley, the Democrat, uh, is is kind of a colorful, eccentric character. Um, she, you know, in in all reality, she really has no chance of winning. That is such a heavily like, solid Republican district. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the Democrat Party, in likelihood, is probably not putting a lot of muscle behind trying to help her get out, you know, her name ID and put out some mailers. Um, you know it's just not worth their time and money
1: yeah well let's take our break here and circle back with that because i yeah i i, I want to talk to you about that uh, strategically is it wise to put a warm body <laughs> in the seat to have somebody on the ticket or is there an inherent risk in that as well we're talking with christy riggins zpolitics.com editor check it out zpolitics.com uh, morning newsletter got a website up that's uh, uh pretty active and on current events georgia and national politics we're going to take our final break here you are listening at Greg's List. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week Wednesdays at 2 o'clock as we talk drones,
4: internet of things, and technology.
7: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights.
1: And welcome back to Greg's Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. You're joining us today. We've got Christy Riggins, the editor of ZPolitics.com. Interesting headline today in their morning newsletter, talking about the uh, the dearth of uh, candidates that uh, actually are opposed this November in the general election. This is both Democrat and Republicans, 80% of them, Democrats and Republicans in the state of Georgia. We have a lot more Republicans, uh, thank God for that, uh, that are running unopposed in November, and Christy and I were speculating a little bit about, A, why that is, and B, is it a good strategy to just let the uh, if it's a sixty five thirty five district? Uh, which, when we say sixty five thirty five, we'll talk about. Okay, in twenty twelve, it was a sixty five percent Mitt Romney district or a sixty five percent Barack Obama district. Those kinds of numbers are generally unwinnable. We've seen it. M- it rarely in Massachusetts a few years ago Scott Brown won a, uh, a runoff election, a special election when uh, Ted Kennedy died uh, this past year in uh, Senate District 40 Janice Van Ness Republican won I think that district is like a seventy-five twenty-five Obama district, and that was a special election. Uh, I think that's probably a one-year rental for the Republicans. But uh, so, Christy, t- talk to us. Let's get back to the point you were making about uh, whether or not it's good to have a warm body running. Why the state parties wouldn't want to necessarily support somebody financially if they don't think they have a chance?
8: Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think you actually made a really good point with uh, you know Senator Vaness. I mean, she she. Really came out of nowhere. She was a complete surprise on election night, and, and I think that, that to your point, the special election probably had something to do with it. It is so much easier if you have if you have a motivated, um, you know, hardworking volunteer base that's willing to get people out to vote for mm-hmm. you in a special election. That is a really good opportunity to overturn these kinds of districts, right? Um, but in a in a general election, you know, this is such a volatile election right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am the Republican Party, um, and I suspect that this is probably where they're going with this, you know, I want to focus on making sure that like Johnny Isaacson just has absolutely zero threat whatsoever, so that you know, some national tone, if you know, if uh, you know, things just really. Uh, turn out for the worst that Johnny Isaacson is going to be in a safe spot so my guess is that they're reserving their money and their cash to make sure that you know we have these high level um, <laughs> officials protected um, and so so to that end um, I think that that's probably a pretty good strategy mm-hmm. um, rather than you know putting some money behind candidates who really really have a very slim chance and um, You know, the presidential elections tend to turn out more voters overall. And so when you have um, these really solidly Democrat districts coming out, it's going to be... Almost statistically impossible for you to win a seat in in one of those districts yeah. during a
1: presidential well, election. Well, yeah, and, and actually, we're you know, and where I live, kind of in central DeKalb in north DeKalb, we really have the only two competitive state house seats with eighty and eighty-one, which are both currently held by Democrats. But they are uh, very, very 50-50 districts. Eighty probably leans uh, a little Republican, and uh, you know, I'm I'm working on one of the uh, candidate campaigns in eighty-one for. Uh, Uh, Lane Flynn, and they're both held right now by uh, a couple Democrats: Taylor Bennett in 80, and Scott Holcomb in 81, who are fairly Mm -hmm. moderate on paper. I have a feeling that if we had a Democrat governor, they would be far left. But uh, (laughs) right now, they're right now they're kind of wolves in sheep clothing, if you will. Right? Oh
8: yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Scott Holcomb is a is a classic case of that. I mean, he Scott Holcomb is about as liberal as they come, but he's (laughs) really he's so good about working across the aisle that he is perceived as a moderate whereas his voting record is actually like very far left
1: oh yeah i mean um, i i think both of them would be uh you know given the reins of a democrat uh, governor and if well it, yeah we'll go ahead and absolutely continue, no they
8: they would be on the front line for
1: sure <laughs> yeah and there, to me there's um there's a i see a risk um you know if republicans don't Watch themselves and, and try to put forth legislation, and and, and try to push for some of this one issue, these one issue bills that are easy to understand, mm-hmm. and get this medical marijuana approved, and some of these things that have seventy to eighty percent popular support. Uh, if you look at the Democrats, if you look at uh, you know uh, my state senators, Elena Parent, she's not a horrible person, you know, Scott Holcomb, Taylor Bennett, uh, Stacey Evans over in uh, the Cobb Smyrna area, they've got a growing base of uh, they're growing a farm team i guess is what i could say and who knows 2 to 4 years i'm sure a couple of them maybe and don't forget jason carter he's still waiting in the wings and built Absolutely. up a uh, pretty good id so they've got a bunch of folks under 45 that uh under 45 years old that on paper you know are fairly moderate or 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 have a history of working across the uh, fairly popular i guess is what uh, the best way to define them and my my fear is that they are the wolf in sheep's clothing that if you know the democrats took control they would skew far far left but for now they are kind of uh, incognito if you will and i don't know if the republican party is aware of this growing threat in my opinion
8: well, you know, it's actually funny that you say that because there are some issues that poll so highly that really deserve some attention in upcoming legislative sessions. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one of the pieces that, you know, we ran into the politics a couple of weeks ago was just, you know, we, we just had our jaws dropped over this election where nobody really seemed to notice that school choice passed by this huge margin on the Republican primary ticket. Um 75% of Republican voters in the state of Georgia said that they would support a measure that would allow money to follow a child into any form of education they want, public mm-hmm. school, you know, private school, homeschooling, whatever. Um, it passed in every single district. Um, and that is tremendous. There, There's an organization in Georgia that, um, does a lot of work on this issue, and they're called the Georgia Center for Opportunity. And um, n- you know, national pollster, you know, Jimmy G- McLaughlin uh, did a poll for them, and ended up finding that the support in Georgia for this one issue is so high that virtually any candidate could run on that issue and and just win on a single issue ticket. It's it's so high across the board, um, and so I do wonder if issues like that are not going to start to surface, or, or, you know, I mean, frankly, they should, where, you know, these legislators are paying attention to numbers like that, and they say, okay, this is clearly something that people want, and this is something that's going to help strengthen the Republican Mm -hmm. base.
1: Well, and, and th- uh, that, and uh, I believe we've got some referendums up here in the metro coming up. We've got a MARTA referendum for Fulton County, which would, in theory, add a half-cent sales tax, and that would uh, increase um, uh, MARTA service and capabilities in Fulton County. It's kind of a, a, a weird version of the fair tax. We also have this Opportunity School District, uh, which will be on the ballot in November as well. Uh, do you? How much knowledge do you have on that? I've been following that. I am not as much of an expert on that as i would like to be i don't see a huge problem with it um uh it's it's similar to the charter school amendment that was passed a few years ago it's only it only comes up if uh counties are corrupt and don't actually allow charter schools to have a fair and honest trial so to me the opportunity school district it's done hopefully it doesn't come up much right
8: i think what's going to be interesting with the opportunity school district um, question coming on the ballot is going to be how much money is going to go into trying to defeat that? Because we already know that teachers' unions um, and teachers' groups in the state of Georgia mm-hmm. have come out, you know, in full force. So, you know, there was a, um. there was this uh, protest that I just I can't get over. It was about <laughs> a year ago when <laughs> these teachers from the teacher union uh, pulled out students from the classroom during a class day to go down to the Capitol and protest a bill that could actually benefit <laughs> them in their future. Right. Um, you know, it just kind of shows you the way that they think. It's just ridiculous. It's a lot, but of, fe- be- lot of
1: fear tactics on that side, and
8: it? a lot of fear tactics. And it'll be really interesting to see what kind of money on both sides of the issue go into trying to think or um, or help
1: pass that legislation. Yeah, I mean, you know, because we had the T-sploss a few years ago, which would have been a statewide sales tax of one penny. I was vehemently against that, just because the project list was so uh, ambiguous. And the, the thing, the problem I have with uh, you know, I live in DeKalb County. I use Marta. I use Uber. I use Lyft. I use all of the public transportation. I don't like driving. If I don't have to drive, I can go have some beers and not worry about where my car is, that's true freedom to me. And so mm-hmm. I would much rather see us triple the bus service in Fulton and DeKalb County, make the buses cool, right? They, they've they got this price tag of $200 million per mile to extend heavy rail up to North Fulton, you know, Alpharetta and uh, Milton and, and that area. I don't see see that really, getting cars off the road. What I see getting cars off the road is more bus services. And, you know, Christy, we're fellow, I'm not a millennial, but uh, I think me and you are both Gen Xers. But me and you were probably happy if we actually could ride a comfortable luxury bus and have Wi-Fi and be able to work and get to our destination. I think we'd be open to something like that, right?
8: Absolutely. To redeem that time to actually be able to to be productive... On a two hour commute uh, in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> you would, you would, I mean, because I know you're up in kind of Gwinnett area. So, I mean, for you yes. to drive down to the Capitol, which I know you've worked down there uh, for some sessions, I mean, that's an hour and a half one way, I, I guess. Yes. And that, at and, least. I mean, it, that, an hour
8: and a half is on a good day.
1: That's a, that's like, a good day. So, all that, that,
8: that's one three. One fender bender.
1: Yeah, that's three hours. That that's time. three hours. So, I, I think the appetite <laughs> is there for us to look at some uh, public transportation and some of the school choice. And these are things that are. That generation is going to have to address. Christy Reagan, zpolitics.com. Thank you for calling in today. I really enjoyed it as usual, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Greg. And we'll see you all next week on Greg's List. Got a great program. Tom Dietz from Sharpshooters is scheduled to call in, and he's going to shed some light on some of this apoplectic fear of the Second Amendment that we're seeing from the Democrats. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greg's List.
0: You're listening to
5: americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.